listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rintin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the O-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today has trained dogs, cats, and other animals for a host of TV commercials and movies. And he's here today to unleash some key positive behavior tips for puppies. Now, you guys know him. You've seen him recently on the Chase Bank commercials with the pup posse performing tricks on cue in front of an ATM. You know, I got to tell you, it's the only commercial I do not fast forward on my remote. Because I just enjoy watching his talents again and again. I want us all to give pause and applause to one of the world's top dog trainers, Joel Silverman. Hey, welcome to the show, Joel. Hi, thank you guys for having me. All right, now, his name does contain silver, but I think his training techniques are solid gold. Looking for ways to shape your high-energy pup into a well-behaved member of your family? Help is here. Joel Silverman will share some tips right after we pay for this show by taking a commercial break. So, in honor of Joel, we're all going to sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I've been a big fan of our special guest for many years. That's because he knows how to bring out the best in pets and their people. And he's been doing it for more than four decades. Hmm. I wonder what that translates in dog years. Now, we are doggone lucky to have as our special guest, celebrity dog trainer, Joel Silverman. Okay, Joel, let's kick off the show. People are learning desperately, wanting to know how to survive life with a puppy because they've just adopted these little adorable four-leggers who put the C in cute and chaos. Can you help them out, Joel? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of things to think about. First of all, I think when people are adopting a puppy or getting a puppy from an animal shelter or breeder, um, when people, you want to make sure, you want to start off with making sure you get the right breed or the right mixed breed for you. 
And that's one of the mistakes people have from the very beginning is not getting the right puppy for the family and for them. And you you really have to look at different the size of the dog, the personalities, because they all change, you know, drastically. A lot of them change, you know, based upon the breeds. And right. so I think it's I think it's very, very important to take a look at that. And then the other thing, I think one of the biggest issues people have when they first bring a dog home, especially people that don't really understand, you know, animal behavior or training sometimes, is the uh, the lack of socialization. And that lack of socialization um really uh, lays a, can, can lay a foundation for this bad things because what ends up happening is the animal never is exposed to people and other animals. So it's really important that people socialize the animal right away when they bring the animal home and, um, and just make everything as positive as possible. If there are some things that you understand with the puppy and as you start socializing, the puppy is somewhat afraid of or has some fear of for the first couple of weeks. What I tell people is kind of keep that puppy away from those types of situations. Take that in mind. Remember that situation, but just keep everything as positive as possible. Then after two to four weeks, now start desensitizing your dog to some of those things that you think that you identified that the puppy has maybe some sort of fear of or something like that. So let's give an example. So somebody brings home a 12-week-old puppy. You know, we know that there are different fear phases that dogs go through when they're in the first year of their life. Let's say, uh uh-oh, the vacuum cleaner is the big monster. Why are you asking them to kind of keep that in mind, but gradually introduce the vacuum cleaner maybe in two or four weeks? What's happening in that two to four-week time? It is essential. You know, my whole philosophy, and I talk about this in all my books, that first 30 days. The first 30 days is the most important part of your relationship with the animal. And, you know, the first step is getting to know your dog. The second is developing a relationship. The third is building the trust. Once you have the trust, you can now train the dog. But what ends up happening is, is if you don't have the trust, if you lack the trust, that you can get a serious breakdown in, in behavior. So what happens is, let's say you do have an animal, give you an example, that, let's just use a vacuum cleaner, and um, dogs are afraid of vacuum cleaners, and you got the vacuum cleaner on, and everything is cool. The dog likes everything, but is afraid of the vacuum cleaner. It might be something that happened in the past, or it might be something naturally that the puppy's a 12-week-old puppy just doesn't like, okay? What I tell people is, if you could take that first week, couple weeks, and just do nothing to expose your dog to anything negative and not try to train your, your dog at that time and just make everything as positive as possible, what ends up happening is just now you've got this awesome attitude you've built up with this dog. You've got this great foundation for the first two weeks. After that two-week period, then you could start saying to yourself, okay, great, now that I've got trust with this dog, now that I have the trust, I can start dealing with some of these these issues and desensitize the dog to some of these things. But if you don't have the trust with any dog, whether it's a two-year-old dog or a two, you know, a 12-week-old puppy, if you don't have the trust, you can't have to, to, to try to desensitize the dog to something. The dog doesn't trust you. And so um, it doesn't understand what's going on. So what I say is build that relationship. You build the trust. Make everything really cool for the first two weeks. Identify those things that the animal's afraid of, skateboards, maybe bicycles, things like that. But then what you do is to desensitize your dog and then next to period, take that vacuum cleaner and say to yourself, okay, I know that he's afraid of the vacuum cleaner, you know, with it on. And as animal trainers, the first thing we start doing is breaking down behaviors. We say, all right, great. How do we, how can we break this down and make this as simple as possible? Let's just put the puppy around the vacuum. Is he okay with the vacuum cleaner without it on? Yes, he's okay with it on. No problem. Let's just make it really, really super positive. And then what you start doing is you start doing different things with the vacuum cleaner to where 
you, I muffle, like we'll do things where we muffle the vacuum cleaner a little bit, where we turn on and kind of muffle it real quickly, have a dog around there, give the dog a treat, so we redirect, called redirection, we start redirecting the dog, and the dog starts saying, okay, it becomes kind of a behavior, it's cool, I'm hearing the sound a little bit, and then we start muffling a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less, and then you might, it might be also a situation with that vacuum cleaner too, as you're trying to identify things, the dog is okay with the vacuum cleaner on, but it has an issue with the vacuum cleaner moving. But right. again, that's what animal trainers do, is we you know, we break down behavior and say, well, what is the problem here, you know? So that's what we start doing and just make it as a positive thing. But as I tell people over and over again, the biggest mistake that people make is jeopardizing their relationship with the animal. And they do it unintentionally. A lot of people, you know, they, they want to be the best owner. They want to do a good job. But sometimes that valuable, that, that super, super valuable trust is jeopardized because people start jumping into training. And desensitization is training, jumping into desensitization before a relationship is established. So that's my take, yeah. No, I like it, and I like the fact that I don't have to vacuum for a week. That's pretty all right, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do think you're right. I think people get a little earnest, uh, Joel, and say, oh, my gosh, the dog just came. i got to hurry up and teach him sit, stay, watch me, leave it. The first day, I'm a new pup, and I'm like, what? New house, please? Right? You're absolutely correct, you know, and people can, you know, I train some, you know, really, really complicated behaviors that people go, you know, if they were to go to, you know, either go to YouTube or see my show, I mean, I train dogs in letters, and, you know, the whole thing and work away, you know, when they face away from me, I give them all the verbal cues from behind, you know, you know 15, 20 different cues, random cues. These are really, really complicated behaviors, but the foundation is everything, you know, and what people don't understand is the foundation is everything. If you don't have the foundation, you can't do those difficult behaviors. And the foundation is great because that's something that's synonymous with movie animal trainers, whether it's movie animal trainers or pet owners, you know, they all need to have some sort of control, you know, with the animal. And so, and that's really where, that's really where, where, where things break down. And you had mentioned about what people start doing is they start trying to train the dog and not only train the dog, but they also start to, and this is another problem people have is they'll get the dog to sit and they start backing up right away. And, you know, thinking for some reason they're going to, you know, if I want to train the dog to sit from 15 feet away in like a day. And, you know, my style of training, and I tell people all the time, my style of training, and my classes will tell you here in Reno, that I, do, I teach classes in the Nevada Humane Society. You know, the trainer, if I'm going to get a dog and adopt a dog on Monday and have it on Friday working, you know, 15 feet away on camera on the set, and he's never, you know, actually been on the set before. If you were to look at my style of training for that first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I probably wouldn't even leave the dog. I mean, the dog would be sitting and staying there, but I would create the time of the dog sitting and staying there for a good 30 seconds to a minute. So if the dog just gets up, I'm able to correct the dog, have the dog sit again, stay, boom, and then reward the dog and, you know, release treats to train, you know, the behavior and things like that. But do that for the first three days. But I, if I do that for the first three or four days, I can start backing up really, really quickly because the foundation's been laid. What right. a lot of trainers will do is they'll start backing up. Maybe on Tuesday, they start backing up five feet. Wednesday, they start backing up 10 feet. But what ends up happening is the dog still, because the foundation's not laid, the dog still is going to start breaking periodically and the trainers go, oh, no, 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 sit, you know, and make the dog sit again and have to walk back in and correct the dog. For me, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to correct the dog right away. Once the dog gets up, just redirect the dog. You know, the dog gets up, no, no, sit. You know, <laughs> and just right, boom, right, right there. And if you could do that foundation, and this is what the listeners here really, really need to understand, you know, is that, is that if you can build that foundation, then you can start backing up really, really quickly. But you got to, you know, the foundation has got to be strong. 
Yeah, and now, folks, take a listen. This is the guy who is best known for The Good Dog You. That was on Animal Planet for a number of years. It was a top-rated show. I think like 70% of the households all tuned in. He also has some things that I really like. He's got a lot of DVDs and books. You go to joelsilverman.net after a show, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But one thing I really am fascinated with, and this is what you're kind of known for, Joel, is what color is your dog? Talk about that. Yeah, you know, well, the very first book I wrote was What Color Is Your Dog? And what um, came out in 2009, the, the follow-up book just came out about three months ago, More What Color Is Your Dog? And right. we'll talk a little bit about that. But what had happened, I got so sick and tired of listening to animal trainers across the nation, some of them on TV, you know, basically beating their chest on some sort of technique. And what I explained to people is the fact that it's not the fact that their technique is wrong or right. It's just the fact that their technique is not the technique for every single dog. And anybody that believes that one style of training fits every dog does not know animal behavior or has not been around a lot of dogs or trained a lot of dogs. Because like people, dog, we need to work with the dog based upon the dog's individual personality. So in, in my style of training, your dog is given a color based on personality. And the reason I did it too is because when somebody adopts a dog, I want somebody to basically, when they adopt a dog, to have a good understanding of what's in store for them, okay? And let them know when they first adopt a dog that, it's, hey, it's going to be a little more challenging with this dog. You can train the dog. You might be able to bring, you know, might, might bring a trainer in. You might do it yourself. But here's what's in store for you. Instead of somebody just basically thinking for some reason that they've got a dog, they don't know that their dog, you know, is going to need some work. And all of a sudden, they get home and they get frustrated and they return yeah. the dog back to the shelter, you know? And so what I want people to do is have a little bit of an idea. And so your dog is either red, orange, yellow, green, or blue, okay? The yellow dog is in the middle of the spectrum. That's the easiest dog to train, mellow yellow. Some dogs are naturally yellow. Some dogs are yellow because over the course of time, they have a really good owner that has desensitized the dog, got the dog used to things, and just really laid back. And we've all seen dogs like this before. Some dogs just are incredibly just laid back. They just don't care about anything, you know? And then as we start moving out with the warmer color dogs, we move out, we have an orange dog. Orange dog is high strung. Now, it's not off the wall. That you know, it's pacing, putting feet up on people, barking a little bit. Orange dog, that's kind of a high-strung dog. A red dog is on the far end of the spectrum, is a very, very high-strung, just, you know, just barking, lunging, just going nuts, um, doesn't <laughs> sit still, okay? So those are the warmer-colored dogs. And again, the orange dog, there's probably more orange dogs in animal shelters and made studies than um, there's probably 30% of all dogs are orange wow. dogs. And wow. yeah, because, you know, a lot of dogs, and then, then we have the red dog. So warmer color dogs. Then we move to the cooler color dogs. The greens are mm-hmm. going to be timid. They're going to be shy. They're going to be apprehensive. They're not afraid of everything. They're just uncertain about some things. Okay, that's the green mm-hmm. dog. Probably about thirty percent of dogs are green dogs. And then we have a blue dog, which is the same like just like the red dog, except the other extreme. Very few dogs are blue dogs. This dog's afraid of everything. You walk in the house, he runs under a bed, just afraid of. A lot of blue dogs come from bad homes, a bad mm-hmm. situation, training, care, something like that. Their history, they've got some history issues. And those are the cooler color dogs. My whole philosophy is that you would never train a cooler color dog like a warmer color dog. The right. way you walk, the way you talk, the way you move, the way you reward, the way you correct the animal, everything you do is like night and day. And that's really my style of training. And so what I want to do basically, what I do in the book is really let people know that, you know, the blues and greens, these are animals that need motivation. So treats, high value treats, anything you can do to motivate that dog and build up that dog's personality. With the warmer color dogs, they're already high strung. They're already into you. You don't need to motivate them anymore. A lot of times we need to calm them down. 
So things are going to involve a lot more control with these dogs, you know, and that's really what the style of, uh, that's really what the style of training. And the good news is as you start working with your dog, your dog can move to the center of the spectrum. A red dog can become an orange dog, an orange dog can become a yellow dog, a blue dog can become a green dog, and a green dog can become a yellow dog. So again, your dog will always move to the center of the spectrum. And what I focused on in my most recent book, More What Colors Dog, and I didn't do it in the first book because I did a lot of seminars and I get questions. People say, well, gosh, Joel, what can a dog change colors when you have a dog, like in certain situations? And I said, you know what? Absolutely. So let's say you have a timid Jack Russell Terrier in the house. is kind of a timid, natural, timid, a timid personality, kind of unsure. But once you bring him out in the front yard, he sees other animals. He gets all excited and starts, you know, and you want to train him to heal, for example. And he becomes kind of an orange dog. So you work him in the house the way he is. In his personality, his personality. If, he's, if he's a green dog in the house, you work him as a green dog. When you're outside, he becomes an orange dog. You work him as an orange dog. Whatever he's showing you as personality, that's the way you work him. No, that's brilliant. And when is this new book coming out? You said this year. No, it came out about three months ago. The More One Color Dog. Yeah, it's on my website right now. It's actually on my website. And then Dosey Blant Publishing, there's a publishing company that sells it as well. But, it, but they could buy it on my website. As, as now, do you wear, I'm being silly, but do you wear matching outfits with your dog if they're an orange or a yellow dog or whatever? You know, it's, you know, it's funny. People watch, I had, I had a show called What Color Is Your Dog? It was a syndicated TV series. It was my most recent show. Just, we just pulled it about a year ago. It's, it's airing internationally, but I pulled it in the U.S. just recently. But I wore, like, I had a yellow shirt, a red shirt, a green shirt, you know. <laughs> so if I was doing the episode, it said, What Color Is Your Dog? It's kind of funny and uh, really kind of, kind of hilarious. But yeah, but I think it's really, really cool because it really, you know, I tell people all the time, I was not a good student in school. And um, I tried, I just, I couldn't comprehend things really well. And so I get the fact that, you know, my best friend, I mean, I'll never forget my best friend, you know, he would always, he could read a page and just, and got straight A's. And, and, you know, I just tried to read it over and over again. I never could comprehend. And I got C's, you know, C's and D's. And so I, I know that we're all different, you know, and that's one of the reasons I wrote these books, because it's just the fact that, I mean, animals are different, too, you know? Yeah. Hey, folks, we're listening to Joel Silverman. You got to check out his site, joelsilverman.net, after our show. He is the guy, yes, the Chase Bank commercial where these dogs are doing all these tricks, doing a slow rollover, and then carefully not tearing the money from the ATM, which is very good. He is the man known for what color is your dog training philosophy. He's done a lot of books and DVDs. He's all over the place giving the best for dogs and their people. We're going to learn a little bit more, including his childhood and what happened with him with (laughs) dolphins after we pay for the show by taking this commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Looking for the best advice on pet health, safety, and travel? Connect with the Pet Lady. Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady, will surely be in a city near you real soon. She will be spreading the good news for pets and pet lovers from tips on dog and cat care, pet industry trends, and the best events for you and your four-legged family members. Need a great gift idea or insights on the hottest pet gadgets? Simply follow the Pet Lady on Twitter at Pet Lady World. You can also learn more at the Pet Lady at thepetlady.net. 
Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, this is Katherine Heigl, and you are listening to Miss Arden Moore on OBHAVE on Pet Life Radio. Tune in for more fantastic ideas and tips for your dogs and cats and pets. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OBHAVE. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the OBHAVE show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm enjoying our conversation with Joel Silverman. He is a internationally known dog trainer, and I think you've trained other critters, too, including CATs, correct? Yes, I have. Actually, I grew up in my, uh, when I was 16 years old, um, I got hired at SeaWorld. I wanted to be a, a trainer. Mm-hmm. And I moved to San Diego to pick up trash. And after a couple of years, just bugging the director of training, started with birds, eventually sea lions, and then dolphins and killer whales. And I spent more time with killer whales, training killer whales than anything at SeaWorld. Wow. So if people go to my website, they go under, under galleries, mm-hmm. under killer whale galleries. They'll see me riding the killer whales. I train the killer whales to shoot me out of the water. I know, they get, I know that they don't eat that stuff anymore at SeaWorld in the water with their own, but I train that stuff from scratch on, uh, on a couple different killer whales with another and helping another trainer. So, and a lot of my style, a lot of my technique comes from working with uh, marine mammals. I call it a hybrid style of dog right. training. My hybrid style is a, you know, part marine mammal, part dog, where the marine mammal, again, we talk a lot about the relationship and the trust and everything. And, and that's, that's really so, so much of, of marine mammal training is really building that bond, you know, building that bond with the animal and uh, getting the animal in the place where the animal wants to please you and wants to make you happy. I think that's great. And I always think of puppies, Joel, as, you know, you're going through the wonder year. You wonder if you have your sanity intact during this first year. There's a lot happening in a puppy that maybe our listeners need to really sit back and realize this is a fast-growing, mentally, physically beautiful being in front of us. Yeah, they do grow really fast. And it is all about you. It is all about you. It's so much about us and what we put into the animal. And I will tell you that I've seen so many people that I've, um, you know, I'll see them with these puppies at these trade shows. I come back a year or two later, I come back to that same trade show in, you know, in the Midwest or whatever. And I see the puppies full grown. And um, I just knew, I watched them with that puppy at the trade show. And I just knew that puppy was going to be a great dog. But it's because of the person. And so much of it is, they say, it's by God, oh, great. And I said, no, you're great. Mm-hmm. I said, because you're the one that did that. You're the one that made your puppy like that. And I said, you need to spread the word. You know, I said, you need to go and you need to teach people what you did. Because what you did was the right thing. If people just would show people what they do with the animals, especially I'm a huge fan of pit bulls and pit bull mixes. Right. And, um, you know, some of the best dogs I've seen at trade shows where they have animals that come out dogs, you know, pet friendly trade shows. Some of the best dogs are pit bulls and pit bull mixes. And I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, they have these dogs, you know, and I said, you need to go and teach people what you do, show people what you did. You know, this is not an accident. You know, you went and socialized this animal from day one as a puppy. And so the bottom line is, is, the, is that they're very, very impressionable those first few months, you know, puppies. And if you can you really build that relationship and socialize the animal, that first, you know, couple months you have the animal, that's what lays the foundation to help you train the animal. It's almost like putting a, um, you know, the best type of gas in a car, you know, premium gas or whatever. It's more expensive, but the bottom line is it's going to run better. And it's the same thing with the animal. It's the fuel for, you know, for dog training is the relationship and socialization. And those two things are essential in those first, you know, that first two to four months of having a puppy. Because um, <laughs> yeah. those bad experiences, I was going to say those bad experiences, if there is a negative experience at young age, they're incredibly impressionable. And, you know, are those bad experiences, not like us, where they can go away, they're 
right there. Trust me. I've worked animals on the set before. I've had an animal that, you know, eight months old, something happened or a ladder fell down on the set, you know, near the dog and scared the dog or whatever. And, um, and all of a sudden, you know, I mean, and a 10 year old dog, he still is kind of leery towards that ladder. You know, it's just, it's different than us. It's those negative experiences sit right there. You know, so let's talk a little bit about your commercial work because we've talked about Chase and uh, they're probably going, thank you, old behave. Thank you. But, you know, you've <laughs> done things for IMS, Budweiser, PetSmart, Nissan. Do you bring your own dogs? Do they have dogs that they bring for you? What's the setup and how do they, because people are probably curious. How did Joel do that yeah. commercial? Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Well, as a movie animal trainer, most people, what people do as a movie animal trainer is we have, there's people in Southern California, there are companies that have animals and I partnered with a company. I kind of built their dog portion of their company. They were a lot, they had wild animals and I worked with them. And so we did a lot of, I did a lot of commercials through them, through that company. And so a lot of the commercials I did was first one prior to working for them in the um, late eighties, early nineties, I worked for another company and animals. I just worked for an animal supplier. He supplied animals and trained animals and he, he had his own animals. I just worked for him. And one of the things I did, I trained a dog, uh, drive us from a TV series, Empty Nest. Oh, I remember that show. Yeah. Yeah. We were spin off, spin off of Golden Girls. We were on, from, we were on uh, Saturday it was a top 10 show. I worked on that show from 88 to 92. Uh, we did 188 tapings, almost 200 tapings in that show. So with Bear, with the dog, he's just a great dog. And uh, that gave me, um, so I did a lot of that back then. And then, you know, Murder, She Wrote back, I did a lot of Murder, She Wrote episodes. My Highway to Heaven, I did a lot of, you know, that was all the stuff back then when there was a lot of um, TV shows, you know, a lot of TV shows shooting in LA. So the 80s and early 90s, and what happened was I partnered with this company in the late late 90s, it's called Steve Martin's Working Wildlife. They were, they have wild, do a lot of wild animal work. And uh, brought in the dogs, and the dogs stayed in our homes, and we had like about four or five trainers. We each had like three or four dogs. And I really built their um, awesome you know, company, this dog portion of their company. And we did some commercials for um, IAMS early in the late 90s. And then I separated from working wildlife. I kind of separated and just did, started doing the IAMS commercials myself. And the, uh, I had built this relationship with the uh, agency. And uh, so I was really proud for the past for 17 years to do the IAMS commercials up till two years ago. And then they were purchased by Pedigree. And then the agency that IAMS, uh, the uh, viewers or the listeners should know that basically what happens when you have a company, they have an agency that works for them. Well, once IAMS was bought by Pedigree, they went with a different agency that I didn't have a relationship with. So for 17 years, from, from 97 to 2014, Almost every IMS national commercial and print ad that you saw, I trained the animals on. And a lot of those animals were movie animals, private party animals, or movie animals that work in Southern California, or, or private party animals. So that's kind of what we do. Now, I've got a couple dogs, um, Duchess, my dog from the commercial for Chase, and then Foster, who's a little gray dog. If you watch, he's on the cover of all four of my books, and he's a movie animal as well. And so, so I took it upon myself to say, okay, I'll have my couple dogs. I really do a lot of personal appearances, you know, cross landscapes with my dogs. But if for movie work, if other animals, trainers want to, you know, companies want to hire me or whatever, or I get calls, you know, we'll go down to LA and do some stuff. But I really kind of separated my, you know, backed off a little bit from being a movie animal trainer about 10 years ago and just doing, just doing only the items, you know, commercials and, you know, little, little things that would come up here and there. So, um, but that's kind of what we do, yeah. you know, for animals. They normally, most animal companies have, you know, 30 dogs, you know, 15 cats or whatever. And those are animals that they supply and train for movies, TV shows, and commercials. Okay, so let's get a little 411 and a little shout out to Duchess and Foster. Tell us a little bit about what made you say they're the one and what are their talents. 
Well, Foster actually is, um, he was adopted in 2004. I adopted him in 2004. He's about 12 years old now. And uh, he's just a little terrier mix. I was actually going by the shelter. I, I was, gosh, you know, it was a, I was going by the Orange County Animal Shelter. I, I, I lived in Valencia. Mm, okay. um, and I drove down, drove down to Orange County. I was going to have a knee replacement. And there's a, a place down there that I wanted to go to. So on the way back, you know, it's just weird. I stopped by the shelter and I was just looking at dogs and I saw this cute little dog and a little gray dog. And I mean, and you know, it's, it's the Orange County Animal Shelter. So it is not, a, it's not enough. Not a, it's not a no-kill shelter. So I mean, the dog probably was going to be around for three more days, two or three more days. And he's just a little puppy. And anyways, I adopted him. I was just the cutest little guy. He's actually went on the road with me on my book tour. And he's the dog, as I said, in, in all the, um, he was on my TV shows and everything like that as well. And, um, He's a um, great little guy. Would and, he be uh, a, what, what color, happened? what color would Foster be? A yellow or? You know what? Well, he's pretty mellow. He's pretty laid back. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's okay. a yellow dog. And then we have Duchess. Duchess was, um, she's a dog from the Chase commercial. And about three, about two and a half, three years ago, I was at the, uh, we were filming my TV series at the uh, Nevada Humane Society. And um, she was there. And there was something about her that I thought was really cool. I mean, just like kind of interesting personality. So I, I brought her to the meeting room and I started throwing treats and she was catching treats in her mouth from like 10 feet away. She sat naturally. She kind of just, and she just had those great you know, qualities, but she had been returned three times. Oh, and, okay. And returned three times. And so once I took her out, I adopted her. I found out why she was returned because she almost put my arm out of my socket. She was just <laughs> insane on a leash, you know? Oh, okay. So um, she was just crazy. <laughs> so I um, took the time to social, again, socialized her, made training fun, took very high prey drive dog. Uh, body of, uh, the listeners need to know about prey drive. Prey right. drive is a dog decided to go after prey. Doesn't mean they want to kill anybody, but sights, sounds, and odors are elevated. They're great for some people, not good for other people. And her sights and sounds and odors were off the chart. And so first thing I did was I took all the chew toys away from her that she could like tear apart and gave her like nylophones that she could gnaw on but not tear apart. And by doing that, what ended up happening by training her, I redirected her into training and giving her a job because these dogs all need a job. But her job is training, behavior, mm-hmm. learning behaviors. That's her job. And then she has a nylabone that she just chews whenever, like almost all day. And so it took a lot of those squeaky things away from her. Right. Really, really, really increase that prey drive. Oh, that's, and that's great. What's really, that's what's really helped her a lot. Yeah. And so she did a chase commercial and she's, um, she grabs the receipt at the end of the commercial. And um, obviously, and, and it was kind of interesting because they were looking for an ending for the commercial. And then we talked about it. I actually videotaped the dog here in Reno as I was training her. I was like, hey, you guys, we can do this. Here, you know, what do you think? You know, so it was pretty cool. You know, you made a really good point because there are a lot of terrier mixes out there and they're in shelters and people love them. They love how, how energetic they are. And you just touched on something. They do have a heightened prey drive and the squeaky toy. We think we're doing something fun to let them get that hunting skill down, but it could backfire. It can backfire. And, you know, and I, I don't mean to tell people not to do that. And it's like, I just want people to understand what you're doing and what you're bringing out of the animal. If that's what you want to bring out of the animal, great. But there are a lot of people that wonder why their animal, you know, Jack Russell is just so crazy and you give it a squeaky, squeaky all day long just to grab and squeak and whatever. Well, guess what? If it squeaks and squeaks and squeaks and grabs it, plays that toy, and all of a sudden you take dog on a walk and hear something squeak or a dog make that squeaky noise or bark, because of what it does all day long with that squeaky toy and what that's imprinted into his brain, now all of a sudden he's so much quicker. And, and because of his natural prey drive, now the dog is like, oh, what is that sound? You know? 
So that's what I tell people. It's like, you know, you just really need to understand. It's, it's that same attitude when somebody comes to your house. And you've seen it before. Right. When somebody comes to somebody's house, they've got a high-strung dog. And if you are, again, we talk about our voices in, in control. If you walk in, everybody goes, stay. Stay down. Stay down. You know, there's no one like that. But you have that one person like, oh, puppy, good puppy, good puppy, good puppy. Yeah. You know, with the, with the voice. What does it do? It brings out that personality of the animal. So you really, really, you know, people need to understand that our voices and our actions are things that can actually bring out the personalities of animals you know i, I yeah. hear you and, yeah. and, we, and we can also control them too as, as well thank you for saying that because when i introduce people to pets i always say please don't do that squeaky voice and the and hey dudes don't be speaking like a high-pitched girl going oh you're so cute you're so cute you're so cute and then the dog goes okay time for me to be misbehaving so I like your yeah, coolness, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. And redirection. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, you know, I tell people I'm a huge fan of redirecting dogs as well. So, you know, giving them a job. So you have a job, dog, somebody comes in the house and, you, you know, what am I going to do with, you know, people get, dog gets excited. If you can send a dog to a place when people come into the house, if it's a little dog and you could send it to jump up on a chair or something like that and you stay there and people can walk in and just give the dog a treat initially. It's that first, you know, minute where dogs just kind of go crazy and they kind of mellow out and then, you know, after a minute they're kind of done with it. But if you can redirect the dog onto something and teach the dog to go up in something elevated mm-hmm. and just pattern the dog that way, what it does, it gives the dog a job. And a lot of times when you give the dog a job, that's what mellows the dog out because you've given, it, you've given the dog something to do. I love it. Anything else you'd like to add before we, this show has gone by way too quick? We're speaking <laughs> yeah. with uh, Joel Silverman. I want you to please check out his site, joelsilverman.net. He's on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, Tell yeah, us what's yeah, happening, yeah, man. Yeah, what we've got going on is we got actually a new couple things happening. We, it's gonna start, this is going to start in Tallahassee, Florida, and it's going to start in Albany, Georgia. But it's, we're, doing a, um, we're doing these pet tips, and they're going to be news pet tips. They're going to be people will see them in Tallahassee. And I think it's going to be NBC in Tallahassee. It's going to be Fox in on Fox in Albany. And there will be pet tips during the news throughout the week. And they can also see these pet tips on their website. But we're also in that same those same markets. Probably on Saturday mornings around six or six thirty, we're going to have an, um, my TV series is going to run. It's going to be underpaid programming, so it's going to be underpaid programming. But we're going to have my TV series, What Colors Your Dog, will run, and in the commercial breaks will be obviously advertisements for my products and things like that. But we're going to be putting my, you know, we're editing my TV series in the paid programming slot with things that people could buy in between. So it's kind of a kind of a cool thing. Oh, so, congratulations! Um, yeah, those are those two markets, and we'll, you know, people can go to uh, Compens- or, uh, or uh, Net and basically and stay up to date on exactly what markets and, you know, when it starts airing. But it's going to start in March. Um, these pet tests will start in March in those markets, but so hopefully we start increasing more and more. Well, my hope is one day I'm going, making that mundane task of going to an ATM, and there will be Joel Silverman with Chase and with Foster and your other crew helping me with my transaction. That would that would make my day, Joel. Uh, well, hopefully, you know what, we're talking to those guys. Hopefully, we'd love to do another commercial with those guys, so we'll see what happens. So I, I would love to, to do something else with Chase, so. All right, guys, you got to check him out. Joel Silverman, I love his training philosophy. Know the color of your dog. Get that foundation of trust in the dog before you're trying to hammer him with a lot of must-do 
tricks and, and all. This dog needs to feel safe and secure, and you're his number one. And when you do that, as Joel has exhibited all these years, you're going to get the best out of your dog and have a wonderful, wonderful relationship. So once again, I want to give a big pause up to Joel Silverman. I'm so glad he's been in the house and what he's doing for dogs of all personality colors. I also want to do a shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the man in charge, the Wizard of Paws for all the shows on the Pet Life Radio Network, the number one pet radio network on the planet. And it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Mark. So until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two three, and four-leggers out there, Obehave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's Obehave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. Obehave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.